0: Whenever I uh, start a study, um, I always just because just because I've been a you know I was raised in a Christian home and a lot of the Bible stories are familiar. I always usually start out with a question like in this case, what do I know about the woman at the well? And uh, I'll, I'll jot down a few things. And then I'll read the story and find out what I'm missing and incorporate that way. So I wanted to start with that question and just get input from you. What do you know about the woman at the well? Anything in that story at all? Okay, she's coming to get water, yep.
1: Hmm?
0: Multiple husbands, yep. Yep, yep, she was a Samaritan. (laughs) It was in the middle of the day. Now, that's an interesting thing because it was typical in that culture for the women to gather the water in the morning, but she comes at noon, okay? So even in the town, and they're in the town of Sychar, she was a little bit, uh, she was kind of ostracized. And uh, maybe because of her reputation, having multiple husbands, and that kind of thing. So she comes at noon, at a time when there weren't a lot of women. Anything else? Okay, yep. Anything else? Well, that's a good start, and it's not advancing. Jesus knew the Pharisees had heard that he was baptizing and making more disciples than John. though Jesus himself didn't baptize them, his disciples did. So he left Judea and returned to Galilee. He had to go through Samaria on the way. Eventually, he came to the Samaritan village of Sychar, near the field Jacob gave to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there, and Jesus, tired from the long walk, sat wearily beside the well about noontime. (laughs) This was the first thing, one of the first things I didn't remember from Scripture Press um, giving the story. They never mentioned that Jesus was tired. You know? Um... I went, I was on a map, and when it speaks of Galilee there, that he came from Galilee to Samaria, those are two different regions in in Judea, okay? If you think of them like we think of a county, okay? So, from uh, a village in Galilee that we're familiar, familiar with, Capernaum, is about, to Sychar is about 40 miles. And so, Jesus had walked forty miles to get to Sychar. And so, you know, now I'm not saying that he walked all that way, boom, 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 boom. You know, but anyway, so by the time he gets to Jacob's well, he's tired. Okay. Plus, having you know, you still got the Pharisees and they're wanting to make conflict and stuff. You know, so he's tired. first thing I want I learned that this is that the time to share the gospel with your one will not always be convenient and that's life right this is what this is what Jesus was facing now you know Jesus was the Son of God so I hesitate you know to draw to put us necessarily but nonetheless life happens right there are going to be there, there might possibly be times when your life, Will be, business affairs will be such, your activity will be such, and actually talking to your one, it might be easy to have the thought, well, I'll do it tomorrow. You know? And so, uh, that, you know, the verse says that, you know, Luke points out that. Jesus was in all points tempted like as we are, yet without sin. And, uh, boy, you know, being able to overcome the rat race of life, right? Soon a Samaritan woman came to draw water, and Jesus said to her, Please give me a drink. He was alone at the time because his disciples had gone into the village to buy some food. The woman was surprised, for Jews refused to have anything to do with Samaritans. You are a Jew, and I am a Samaritan woman. Why are you asking me for a drink? Um, Year one may point out a barrier. One barrier for the woman at the well was the fact she was a Samaritan. You know, she... She wanted to know why Jesus was talking to her. Now we end up finding out that she has a lot more things going on, but we, you might possibly not know any barrier that your one might have. Chances are your one will be somebody that you are familiar with, you might possibly know a lot about, but there's, <laughs> there's likely going to be things about the person you may not know. But that barrier didn't stop Jesus from talking to her. And that's kind of interesting because this is really like, this is an early account that the gospel is no longer just for the Jews. Okay? We're, we're, we're getting a, a picture of Jew and Gentile one in the body of Christ. An early, an early uh, portrayal of that. <clears throat> Jesus replied, if you only knew the gift God has for you and who you are speaking to, you would ask me and I would give you living water. But sir, you don't have a rope or a bucket and the well is very deep. Where would you get this living water? And besides, do you think you are greater than our ancestor Jacob? Jacob? Uh, one commentary I read indicated that in, in, the, in the mind of that culture, living water referred to moving waters. And so there, 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 there were dead waters that you would get from a well, and then there were rivers that were flowing. But in, <laughs> in the nation Israel, on the whole, there are, there's not a lot of moving water. And so people... Had their cisterns that they would get water from. Okay? And, uh, and, and Jacob's well, some, I read somewhere that it was like 100 feet deep. I mean, it, it, not that it was 100 feet down to the water, but I mean, it was a deep well. Who gave us the well? How can you offer better water than he and his sons and animals enjoyed? Jesus replied, Anyone who drinks this water will soon become thirsty again. But those who drink the water I give will never be thirsty again. It becomes a fresh bubbling spring within them, giving them eternal life. Please, sir, the woman said, give me this water. Then I'll never be thirsty again, and I won't have to come here to get water. Go and get your husband, Jesus told her. I'm going to try and say this like I think she said it. I don't have a husband. The woman replied. Jesus said, you're right. You don't have a husband. For you have had five husbands. And you aren't even married to the man you're living with now. You certainly spoke the truth. Uh, Just some observations in here, I already mentioned Jacob's well was real deep. The woman had five husbands and not to justify her, just not to justify this, but I read one author who indicated that there could have been reasons for this and that divorce was very easy for men. Okay. The other thing this person pointed out was that Roman soldiers were plentiful, and were not allowed to marry Jewish women. It was frowned upon them, so they would live with them. Okay, and I'm thinking my, my thought is is that the guy that was living with her now was possibly some had some relationship uh, to the uh, to Rome, Roman either a soldier or an authority figure. That doesn't justify the fact that she had five husbands, but I'm just your one may have life issues. Okay. She certainly did. And these and, and again, the thing about this is other than Jesus making that observation to her of her of her life issue. He never judged her for it, and that, that stands out to me because, um, you know, sometimes, especially, I you don't know when, maybe the closer we are to people. Um, and I, I was thinking of my brother. Sometimes I hope I, I had wished that my brother had given up smoking, and then I could talk to him about the Lord. Or you know, he got into substance abuse and this kind of thing, and I, I just thought, boy, if he could get rid of that, <laughs> get rid of that bad habit, it'd be really nice to talk to him about the Lord. But the the problem with that perspective is, <clears throat> that was all backwards. Uh, you know, my willingness should have been, I should have been able to talk to my brother about the Lord. Regardless of what habit he had, and and now, you know, maybe that would uh, that would have opened up a door, you know. And even sometimes in our churches, right? I grew up in a day when it was frowned upon to wear jeans at church, okay. And uh, <clears throat> sometimes. <laughs> Sometimes the older people in the church were wishing that the youth would cut their hair and get out of their jeans, you know, and look presentable on Sunday morning. Sir, the woman said, you must be a prophet, so tell me, why is it that you Jews insist that Jerusalem is the only place of worship while we Samaritans while we Samaritans that is here at Mount Gerizim, where our ancestors worshipped? I thought I thought this was an interesting question for her to ask, because I wouldn't have thought a woman with five husbands would have attempted to worship much. <laughs> but but she points out, hey, you know we live in Samaria. Why should we travel 50 miles to worship? Why can we not worship here? Jesus replied, Believe me, my dear woman, the time is coming when it will will no longer matter whether you worship the Father on this mountain or in Jerusalem. You Samaritans know very little about the one you worship, while we Jews know all about him, for salvation comes through the Jews. But the time is coming, and indeed it's here now, when true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. The Father is looking for those who will worship him that way. For God is spirit, so those who worship him must worship in spirit and in truth. The woman said, I know the Messiah is coming, the one who is called Christ. When he comes, he will explain everything to us. Then Jesus told her, I am the Messiah. Just then the disciples came back. They were shocked to find him talking to a woman, but none of them had the nerve to ask, what do you want with her, or why are you talking to her? (laughs) I find that interesting John makes that comment. Um, I, I found that to be kind of comical. The woman left her water jar beside the well and ran back to the village telling everyone, Come and see a man who told me everything I ever did. Could he possibly be the Messiah? So the people came streaming from the village to see him. The fourth thing we learned is that the gospel breaks down barriers and impacts life issues. Here's this woman. You know, if you were probably to look at the village of Sychar and you were going to pick pick the person who is going to be. The, the person to draw the village to Christ, she probably would not be the first person you would have thought of, you know? But, but she does. She believes. And so what do we learn from us? Well, the time to share the gospel is not always convenient. You know, life happens. Some days you're going to you're going to you're going to feel motivated, other days the rat race of life is just going to make you weary. And you're just going to want to you're, you're just, you'd rather vegetate than get with your one. There may be barriers, you know. We don't know what You may not know what barriers stand in the way of your one uh, coming to the gospel. Maybe they had a bad, bad. They may have might have had a bad experience with maybe a fellow worker who tried to share the gospel with them. There may be life issues. They might have habits that you wish they didn't but the gospel overcomes barriers and life issues it's the gospel that overcomes these things we don't have to overcome them and and to me for me this this is this is the crux of who's your who's your one is the gospel of Christ Changes lives. We don't have to change the lives. It's not up to, it's not up to us to change the lives. And here, here's another thing. Scripture press doesn't do a very good job of giving the result of what happens. But look at this. Many Samaritans from the village believed in Jesus because the woman had said, he told me everything I ever did. When they came out to see him, They begged him to stay in the village, so he stayed for two days. Long enough for many more to hear his message and believe. Then they said to the woman, now we know he is indeed the Savior of the world. So, you know, the impact of the woman of the well was changed the village you know and 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 I wonder how the attitude of the disciples changed you know I wonder if they had the nerve to follow up with Jesus and say you know these samaritans aren't so bad you know and so the other thing that I want to leave you with is that in Who's Our One? What I like about it is it's just not a program to get the people in the seats. Okay. It's meant to give to give us an opportunity to share the gospel with an individual that Christ lays on, that the Holy Spirit lays on our heart. If they come to church, that's fine. But you know, ultimately, I'd rather see them in heaven, know that they're going to be in heaven, as opposed to seeing them in the pew. But it's but it is nice to add your add to your numbers, right? And that's one thing that makes the Book of Acts so amazing is when you know many believed and and were added daily. So now looking back at what you what you thought you knew about the woman at the well. What are the things that add to your knowledge from what what we've shared
2: together? Don, uh, Jesus was tired and weary from walking, and like I've read that, but it's like yeah, he was tired. He would be weary from walking. And then the point you made about it's not always convenient to share the gospel. It's like you know, I I think that's been a big stumbling block in my life, or a sin in my own life, where I have failed to share the gospel, is that I have believed the lie I'm hearing, it's not a good time to share the gospel. You you gotta take care of your kids, or you really gotta get to the grocery store, or this and that. There's always a reason to not. Build a relationship, even if you don't share the gospel, to build into a relationship. And then I did it today, even. We got back, we um, were at John and Tam's house, and we got back, and my neighbor was out doing something with her flowers or something. And you know, it had just been a good opportunity to go and say, Hi, how are you doing? And I'm like, No, I got to get inside. I got to get things cleaned up, get the kids inside, get them down for rest time. And so, like, I there's good things that often distract us from the great things. And It's feeding into a lie of it's not convenient right now to build a relationship or to share the gospel. I'm guilty of that. So I appreciate that, that you brought up that point. That was convicting to me.
0: Anyone else?
3: I'm not sure I've totally formulated this thought, but... In the beginning of the passage, it talks about the Pharisees. They were the Jewish leaders, the religious leaders. They were the ones that should have been looking for the Messiah, and they were the ones who missed him. And the Samaritan woman, you know, as Jews, they worshipped also, but they definitely weren't the people you would expect to come to Christ first. And yet she recognizes him as the Messiah. The people do. God opened their eyes, and so as we're looking at people to witness to, we don't know who God's going to work in. We might have some people that we think would be good candidates to become believers, and only God knows. And it's sometimes the unexpected people that will come to Christ. So we still should be sharing, and we should be sharing with whoever God lays on our heart, but in the end, it is God's harvest in whether we think they're good candidates or not, God calls who he wants. It's just interesting that the people who should have seen him didn't. And the people we wouldn't have expected to know the difference were the ones who knew who he was.
1: Along that line, I was, um, I'm still amazed by how Unthorough, Jesus' gospel presentation is is just really cryptic, kind of. He just says, "If you knew the gift of God, you would have living water." And she knew she wanted that, and so it just reminds me again that you don't have to have this big theological perfect explanation that the gospel gets understood in the terms and the way that people need to know. And she, she had some theological objections, and he just told her God's a spirit, and he's looking for you. He's looking for those who worship him in spirit and truth. And, and so she, all she needed, really, after that, she knew there was a gift, apparently. She knew that God was looking for a spiritual. So all she needed to know was that this was the right guy. And he made it clear who he was to her by calling her out on, you know. He just says, You've had five husbands, and she tells everybody he knows everything I ever did, which is, you know, he didn't list everything she ever did, but she knew that he knew. That's kind of cool. So the gospel is God's stuff, it's not our persuasive stuff. We can just, we can just say, um, you know, God has made such a difference in my life. I just, it's such a wonderful gift to know that my sins are forgiven. And then go, you know, that's all we say. And, and you know, that night we'll hit ourselves, man, that just was so stupid. It wasn't complete. How are they ever going to understand? The point is, is that God's got what he needs to do and he can make the difference. Someone else have any thoughts or answers to Phil's question? Well, good. Well, we we'll, are. We'll, we are. You are the reason we waited.
4: Um, I think it's pretty cool that she. Am I correct that she was like the first witness of Jesus, witnessing to people? It's
0: possible. At least in the Book of John. Anyway.
4: Okay. Okay.
1: Oh, okay. So this is chapter four, which John does on purpose to show the super religious and the non-religious. I mean, there's Nicodemus and this woman are opposite in every way.
4: Mm-hmm. I just I thought think. it was cool that he used her to be his witness there.
1: Yeah. Yep. And she believed but Nicodemus did. Right,
4: right.
0: Johnny, you can talk again.
3: <laughs> I don't know that I have anything more to say <laughs> yet.
4: Did
1: Nicodemus go out and witness for him about Jesus? Yeah, So we missed, uh, we missed some of that off the tape, but um, Don asked, um, was this woman at the well the first one that Jesus had witnessed to in the book of John? And she's the first recorded convert, I think you would say, other than the disciples themselves, right? The disciples in John 2, um, one of the disciples said, you know, Andrew comes and gets Peter. We've seen the Christ. And then um, Nathaniel comes and um, Jesus says something about him being a true Israelite in whom there's nothing false. He was the one who said, could anything good come from Nazareth? And then Jesus said, here's a true Israelite. And so... He says to him, my Lord and my God. So he knew that Jesus knew him from somewhere before. Maybe he had been praying and somehow Jesus knew or something. And so to call him a true Israelite. And so he was a convert, so the disciples were. But this is John 3 is the discussion with um, the religious man, Nicodemus. And then the most opposite extreme, a woman instead of a man, an, an outsider instead of an insider, an uneducated instead of an educated, a sinner in that world's view, right, that we would judge as five husbands and all that. And Nicodemus was all this Mr. Righteous pants. And, um, and he, Nicodemus, is not recorded as responding to Jesus at that time, but the woman at the well does. and responds with joy. And that's, in a lot of ways, that's the whole story of the gospel, is that those who have need seem to come easier, and those who are self-righteous don't think they need to. We're hopeful for Nicodemus because at the end of the book, he and Joseph of Arimathea are the ones who appeal for Jesus's body. And so he identifies himself as a supporter of Jesus at that time. And we're also sort of encouraged because when there was a trial or in the early accusation phase, um, Nicodemus spoke up and said, why would we try a man without asking him questions? Or why would we condemn a man without at least asking? And he got in trouble with his fellow leaders in the Sanhedrin, I think. So he seemed to follow from afar off, but the details of the conversation with Nicodemus seemed to indicate that Nicodemus' told John about it. So I think Nicodemus may be finally converted, but we don't know. Doesn't Joe have Nicodemus next week? So Joe is going to teach about John 3 next week, and we'll see about that. Marie? I
3: was thinking, you know, of uh, when Samaria was mentioned again, and Jesus refers to the Good Samaritan. And then also... um, You know, after Jesus rose from the dead, um, they they were told to, or something like in Judea to Samaria to the ends of the earth. So um, it would be interesting to hear, you know, how the gospel continued there too. Yeah,
1: Yeah, that uh, the ongoing ministry of Jesus' great commission was to reach those people who were close but outside, the Samaritans, the half breedish people. I You know, the Bible says that Jesus appeared to many after he rose from the dead, and they're not all listed, but it wouldn't surprise me. Yeah, this is pure speculation on my part, but it wouldn't surprise me if we found out someday that Jesus showed up in that town in Sychar and encouraged the believers there. Doug? I, I guess it's just more of a question, but this...
4: Jesus was really just starting in his ministry at this point, if if I have this correct. Um, I mean, John the Baptist told about the, the Messiah that's coming, but if I remember right, is that the first time that Jesus really kind of announced himself that he was the Messiah? And um, I thought it was interesting that if I'm correct, and that's the first time he said, I am he, that it was to a Samaritan woman and not to the religious leaders. Right. Yeah,
0: I don't recall him making the statement to Nicodemus. Yeah. Of course, the closest you get for that, to that probably is when he's baptized you know, and the dove comes, comes down from heaven, and you hear the voice of God saying, This is my son in whom I am well pleased. So, I, but yeah, here Jesus. Said, you know, I, yeah.
4: Am. I, I know John the Baptist you know, had said the, the Messiah is coming, and, and you know, God said, This is my son in whom I am well pleased. But I, if I'm right, mm-hmm. I think this is the first time Jesus said, I'm the Messiah. I think so.
1: was the first Well yeah, I'm trying to remember, you know, John the Baptist says look, the Lamb of God, it takes away the sin of the world. And so his disciples started following Jesus, and then he did the miracle of turning the water into wine. That's the first part of John 2. And he, the Bible says he thus revealed his glory. And so he revealed his first miracle, his first act was turning the water to wine, and his disciples put their faith in him. And then the writer, John, is telling us the story of Jesus' ministry. And you write over this, like you say, the first things John, or Jesus, meets with Nicodemus that night. And Nicodemus says, you must be from God, because somebody couldn't do what you're doing unless God were with him. So Nicodemus is suspicious that he's the Messiah. And Jesus calls him out and says, you know all these things. And you, well, I don't want to steal Joe's thunder, but... For next week, we find out that Nicodemus was blocked by his religious understanding. He had so much religion, he just couldn't see the truth straight up. And then the woman at the well gets it. In the light. So this is the first public declaration. I think you're right. Yeah. Yeah. Have you seen the, um, the Chosen? Right. Have you seen this episode, The Woman at the Well? Yeah. Okay. Yes, part of your questions might be because of the way they told that part of this story. And so, uh, can you turn the recording off? So thanks for listening and participating. And now we're going to talk about this offline.